0: Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs.
1: Hi, and welcome back to Your Family Dog podcast. I'm Julie Fudge-Smith, and I'm here with the wonderful Tina Spring. And as per usual, Tina and I get on the call, although I was late because Skype was really testy today and uh, made me sign in like 14 different times in 14 different ways. So that was really fun. I mean, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed resetting everything and getting all the confirmation codes and putting them in and being told they weren't right. And it reminded me of a song I'd been listening to, which was the Authority song by John Mellencamp, which is, there's this great line, I fight authority and authority always wins. And I felt that way about Skype, that I was, all I wanted to do was get on and record a podcast. And I was in this battle with Microsoft and it felt like it was, you know, I fight authority. It's like I fight Microsoft and Microsoft always wins. And as the song was playing, I looked over and I looked at Zuzu and I kept thinking, I wonder if dogs don't sometimes feel that way, that they fight authority and authority always wins, man. Every time I want something, something happens. And I was thinking, I don't really want that kind of a relationship with my dog. I don't want my dog to... It's not that I don't want to my dog to think that I have the final say, because probably most of the time I do. But I don't want my dog to feel as though our relationship is based on fighting my authority every time she wants something. That that just doesn't seem to me to be a very productive relationship to have with my dog, with my husband, with my kids, with my coworkers, with my podcast partner, whatever it may be, that's not the relationship that I want to have. But is that the relationship that sometimes, or perhaps more often than we'd like, end up being the relationship we have with our dogs? And instead, what are we looking for? I think we're looking for, as I used to tell my owners, I want you to build a relationship that's built on cooperation and trust that you can, I can trust you. You can trust me. I'm going to be fair, but I also let's cooperate with one another and we're going to get a whole lot more done. And so one of the things that Tina and I did finally figure out in this conversation that we have every single time before we record, unless of course we have a guest, is What's the nature of cooperation with our dogs, and what's one of the tools that we both use or have used quite a bit in building cooperation with our dogs, and that's premack, the premack principle, which I think both Tina and I really, at least I know I really enjoy working doing premack premacking with my dog. So with that sort of obtuse and weird introduction, I'm going to turn it over to Tina, and she's going to explain what we mean by pre-macking. There you go, Tina.
0: No pressure. So I'm not going to give you a very scientific uh, answer. I'm going to give you the layman's answer, which is I'm going to release the learner to do the thing they wanted to do anyway after they've done something that I asked them to do. Vice versa, if you don't do the thing I ask, then I'm not going to give you permission to do the thing you want to do. So I think my clearest example is polite leash walking. If you're pulling on me, I'm not going to go forward. Moving into new territory is what the dog wants to do anyway. So if they are walking politely and, and adjusting their pace to more closely resemble mine, we're going to continue to go forward. But if they start to walk too quickly uh, or in a direction that we're not walking, I'm going to stop and I'm not going to continue moving forward. So, you know, do I use a bunch of food to teach polite leash walking? Of course I do. But eventually, the reinforcer for walking nicely on leash is that the dog gets to continue on the walk and gets to go explore and check P mail and all of that. But I, I pre-Mac all sorts of things, right? I stand at the back door and look knowingly at my dog and see what behavior they're going to offer that makes me turn the handle to the door so that they can go out and really any polite behavior will do. If you want me to feed you, you have to be in your crate. So our dogs race to their crates to be fed. There's all sorts of examples of this. So what examples are there in your home?
1: Well, I was thinking about the the one I did with... Um, I think one of the first times I really instituted pre-macking was with my dog, Bingley. And um, I'd done some before, but there was one time we were out for a walk and Bingley saw a squirrel. And he's like, you know, in that trembling, frozen, I see a squirrel. Right? And so I looked at him and I, I said, Bing, you need to sit and look at me. And as soon as you sit and look at me... Then you and I will run to that squirrel. So I, I waited because I tell him this and he kind of looks at me. And then he and then he stopped and he looked back at me and he sat and I said, OK, and we ran to that squirrel. Now, I have to tell you that this squirrel was an absolutely no danger whatsoever of being harassed or caught with me running after it. There's no squirrel in the country that is in any kind of danger if I'm running at it. So this was not squirrel torture. And actually, probably the squirrel's having a good time. It's probably squirrel fun. So what Bingley learned was if he saw something like a squirrel, he would start to just sit immediately and look at me, and then we would run to the squirrel. And so I think that's a good example of pre And then I've been pre-macking with Zuzu, trying to get her sort of reintroduced to a crate. I started by putting her food, her bowl, in the back of her crate, And then allowing her to go in. And then what I started doing was I put it in the back of her crate, closed the door, and looked at her. I said, did you want that? Did you want that food? And as soon as she pawed the crate, I opened it and let her go in. Now, when I have the food, same kind of thing you do, is you have to go into the crate, then I will give you the food. Because I want her to be... So now she's eagerly going to the crate and running in, and I don't have to ask her... Where do you get this? She just goes right in. And so I think the the thing that I love about Premac is that it's using what you know is important to the dog to reinforce something. And it, it doesn't, it's not necessarily food. It's you, it is a behavior. And I think behavior is incredibly rewarding because you, something you know that your dog wants to do. And I think this is the same it's is it's the same kind of thing with like with kids. If you eat your peas, then you can have dessert. You know? I need you to eat something green. You want to eat something sweet. So you eat the green, I'll give you the sweet. And I think that it just builds cooperation. I think it builds a sense of agency, especially I, I think with kids and they understand, okay, um, I have a little bit of control here. You know, um, if, if I want something, I know what I need to do is what I want important enough to me to do what my mom wants. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. And I think it allows, it helps kids to start making decisions. I think it helps our dogs to start making decisions about what is and is not important to them. And I think every time that you make a decision You say, okay, I choose to do this. I think that does build cooperation. I think that builds agency, but I also think it builds confidence. And I want my dogs to feel confident and trusted in their lives.
0: So, for example, we're having um, rain, right? So I'm asking the dogs pretty consistently, do you need to, you know, go outside? And, you know, they know it's raining. (laughs) So... So in many cases, Marco's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'll hold it. I'll hold it till Thursday. Uh, and, and he does. Like, he won't soil in the house. So I do try to ask them if they want to go OUT when it's not pouring rain so that they get in the, out there during the breaks. But I'm not going to make him go. Now, if it's bedtime and we're going to... Be unconscious for a while. Yeah, I'm gonna make him go outside. Although I will say my dogs are pretty good about if we go with them, they're like fine, fine, fine. We'll go out in the rain, right? They're not lunatics about it. They will finally acquiesce and do what we ask. But I, I don't, I don't like bossing my dogs around all the
1: time. Honestly. I don't either. I, I, no, I, it, it's exhausting. It is absolutely exhausting, and I would much rather have you cooperate with me. And give you some choices. That doesn't mean I can't encourage you to make the choice that I want you to make. You know, like, I want you to go in your crate. So the reward for going to your crate is is a pile of raw meat, okay? That's a little bit of encouragement. But um, I just, I find it exhausting and uh, just not worth it. It's just not worth it to to... Constantly, I I just, I don't want to be, you know, a dictator. I I want to be, um, I want to be a more of a benevolent leader, shall we say.
0: Sure. And I can remember parenting foster children. One of the things I learned early on was don't hand them a whole menu. Like if we were out eating, I needed to limit how many options they had because they couldn't make a decision, right? If there were Eight options available. Poor Greg would still be sitting there trying to decide what he's having for lunch. So I learned pretty quickly, give them two or three choices, usually two, based on my knowledge of them and what the child is likely to like. He still would occasionally be like, Well, I want this other thing out of left field. And and my response, I think was good. Someone will argue with me, I'm sure. But I would say, I hear you that you would like peanut butter and jelly to be a choice, but that's not a choice right now. That might be a choice later, but right now your choices are this or that. Um, and I would be sure to incorporate peanut butter and jelly, if that's what he was saying he wanted, uh, in options for the next you know, 24, 48 hours somewhere. Because I hear him, and that's the trust piece. Right. If I say to my dog, "Do you do you want to do this or that?" and they say, "No, I really want to go for a walk," which my dogs will totally say. It may be that I'm headed out to a class. I can't do a walk right now, but I'm listening to that dog and inc- trying to incorporate a walk later. Might be a short walk, might be a quick walk, might be a walk in the rain, but I'm going to try to incorporate what they've signaled is important to them. In the mix. When I'm planning our weekend, I, you know, Christopher loves to tinker on the cars, to work on the cars. I really endeavor to leave a bunch of time for that, even though I need him to help me with some stuff too, or like I need, you know, a stronger back than mine. So I think incorporating what the living things around us want or need is an important piece of it to not feel like an ogre, um, and to feel like I'm a giver, really, more than anything else. Uh, I agree. To to be fair, sometimes I'm just trying to survive. Like, we have six dogs here, and we're in the remnants of the hurricane. And so we're probably going to have wind and rain for the next couple of days. And that'll be kind of miserable. And I'll pick and choose when dogs can go outside and play, but there's there's probably not going to be a bunch of opportunities. So instead, there will be a bunch of enrichment. Like we just pivot to something different. But sometimes I don't have the I don't have the bandwidth to think of that. <laughs>
1: sometimes, right? No, I I get that. It's funny because you should I you should mention the weather because I was thinking we had terribly wonderful blue skies and now we have gray skies and I wonder if we're not just getting the very edge. of the the hurricane here in Ohio. But what I was thinking when you're talking about choices, one of the ways that I helped my kids learn how to make choices was to do things like, you know, if I, if I was going to give them a couple pieces of candy, I would ask them, which one do you want first? So that there was no wrong decision here. You just had to make a decision. You can have both pieces. Which one do you want first? And that helped them to learn to make it. Oh, um, I guess I'll take the red one this time, and that's fine. You know, it doesn't really matter. But I wanted to introduce them to choices that we're not going to send them into the deep end. You know, how do we begin to make choices? Um, and this is when they were really little, and then you know we'd have to start making, let me start making more complex choices. But to start with, and I I kind of feel like I do that a little bit with my dogs. It's like, okay, sweetheart, um, do you want do you want me to scratch your ears, or do you want to go outside? Which would you want to do first? You know, I just got home, and you've been home. Well, why don't we go outside? And then I'll be happy to scratch your ears all you want. Um, but I, I also like the idea of, of, you know, sort of listening to what the dogs... Yesterday, I think I've talked about the fact that our cottage, we had a pipes burst and in December. Anyway, so, lo and behold, we're finally nearing the end of the reconstruction of my cottage. We had to go out there yesterday and meet with the contractors for a couple of things and decided not to take the dogs because I knew they would be doing some painting. And inevitably, if there's paint, my dogs find it. They just do. And so we left the dogs at home. We had to leave them for longer than I normally would like. So Brandon made an effort today that the dogs, like I went to a workout and went to do stuff in a house we were trying to sell, came back. And he left after I got back. We just decided that today we were not going to put the dogs through the stress of locking them up because we were going it. That just because yesterday was more than what we had wanted to do. And so today, you know, they'll get a Zuzu and I were outside cutting flowers and weeding, and we'll get a walk in this afternoon. And I think that that goes to what you were saying about trying to find the bandwidth but trying to make the promises knowing what the dog wants and how can I incorporate that and you know take care of them so that they feel like okay you may not you may not hear me now but I know you're hearing me and I think that that's important for dogs kids spouses to understand I hear you can't do anything about it right now but I will
0: well and I use preback for me right like okay if I clean the bathrooms. Then I can, I don't know, read my book for 15 minutes, right? Like I, I go, okay, I I want to do X, Z needs to be done, so when I do Z, then I get access to X,
1: right? It's a great way, even for me to motivate. For me. Yes, yes. In fact, they use that in Noom. I hadn't realized it was pre-mac right. until you said that. I'm like, this seems so familiar. Well, that's because I'm pre Macing myself.
0: <sighs> right. There's a lot of you get to choose what you want to do. As a matter of fact, Noom's a really good example because there are no no's. There's just, have you assessed kind of what it costs you to do that? Yes. And do you really want to do that? So it brings it kind of to the forefront. So I think PREMAC can be pretty powerful. I think we tend to make it more complicated than it is for families. And so basically it's giving the learner permission to do the thing they wanna do anyway for doing something that you ask them to do. So your child puts their dirty clothes in the hamper and they get to go jump on the trampoline or they um, make their bed and you get out the slip and slide or any number of things. And and I love that it is progressive with development. When you've washed the car, then you can
1: borrow it. I remember my mother doing that. You want to take the car? You have to wash it for me. But you know, the thing that I also love about Premac is it gets away from using food or money or whatever as a reward. You know, it really is, I kind of feel like in some ways when you use Premac, you're really seeing the individual that you're working with. You're really understanding that individual and you're appreciating what's important to them. And sometimes I think especially um, for kids to feel like they have been heard and seen and understood can be just as rewarding as being able to do the activity itself. And I wonder if there is isn't an element of that to our dogs as well. You know, that, that they feel like Oh, you heard me. Um, okay. That's great, Mom. Yeah, I can settle down for a minute because I know we're going to go do this. And I think I think we, we pre-mack in a lot of ways that builds that trust that the dog can understand. I may not understand exactly what's going on, but, you know, Mom's track history has been pretty good here. I think I can trust that she's going to follow through on this.
0: Well, it even comes into conversation. Like, let's say I'm having a conversation with someone about uh, issue A. Well, here, I'll use the example of when my daughter was young, right? Like, she was like, I want to get a mohawk and color my hair purple. And I'm, you know, saying the things moms say. And then all of a sudden, the the conversation turns to, and mom's a jerk. okay. Well, I'm not talking, we can talk about me being a jerk later, but right now what we're talking about is the hair. Uh, and I will write down, which I know sounds really weird, but whether it's customers or a friend or whatever, I I want you to know that I heard you, that you think I'm a jerk. So I'm going to write that down. We'll come back to that. But right now I need to solve this one thing first, Right. My experience is that typically once we solve the thing, then we decide that maybe we don't have to talk about mom being a jerk. But, you know, sometimes we do because obviously I'm here to make everyone's life harder. So I want to steal the joy from everyone's existence. That's my that's my daily goal.
1: Yes, I think that I think that comes with with, um, when they give you your diploma for motherhood. You know, when you when, when you finalize the adoption or you give birth and they give you the instruction manual that comes with each child. Yeah, ruin their lives is the, rule number one. Make sure you ruin their lives. Two, make sure that you don't communicate in any way possible that could be understood as communication. You know, and and three, deny anything that's fun. Yes,
0: absolutely. If it's fun, it's a no. So it's, but I will also say that I can remember times parenting, and I'm sure I've done this even parenting raising you know, my dogs, that there were a lot of no's just because I was overwhelmed. It wasn't necessarily that I wanted to say no. It's that I didn't have the bandwidth to say yes or to think about something. And so I for me it was a that getting into the practice of um, you know, I say, okay, everybody get your shoes and socks on. We're, you know, going to XYZ. And they're like, but we want to go to the pool, writing down like, hey, they wanted to go to the pool or hey, this child Is saying they want peanut butter and jelly or, hey, this child says, you know, can we do this one day? Um, Writing those things down helped. Uh, It also helped me to manage my stress, because if I realized I wasn't doing that, I knew that my stress was pretty high and I needed to do some self-care, right? Uh, Honestly, just solving the question of what's for lunch, what's for breakfast, what's for dinner, if I keep a journal of, okay, child two wanted peanut butter and jelly yesterday. Well, maybe I'll make that the choice for lunch today. Like, do you want peanut butter and jelly or do you want this? So sometimes that pre-MAC even worked to kind of help me with some self-care as far as if I find myself not exercising that cooperation, it might be that I'm feeling overwhelmed or tired or even under the weather.
1: Really? As a parent, you sometimes felt overwhelmed? Under the weather? Overburdened? Never? Overburdened. overburdened. Lost, lost in the woods? <laughs> That's right. But, you know, treading water? That, I, I kind of felt like I spent a whole lot of time treading water um, when the kids were little. And I'm much it, wiser now, because I've been
0: through it. Oh, yeah. It every day i'm like man i would have done that differently
1: right well you know one of the things that i like um i had one of my grandkids over i think it was eva and she's three and we were, she was struggling with something i said it's hard to be three you know it's just when you're three it's hard to be three when you're four three's gonna seem pretty easy but that's because you've already gone through it so when you're four four is gonna seem hard and five's gonna seem hard And when five seems hard, three and four are going to seem super easy. So you just have to understand that, that every age in life comes with its own challenges because we haven't been through that age and it's okay. It's okay to feel, you know, at three to feel overwhelmed by something that seems pretty easy for your seven-year-old sister. Yeah. Well, you know, it wasn't easy for her when she was three. And I think that, that I try to remember that with my dogs. It's if we're doing something for the first time, let me give you some slack here. It might take you a little like when we first started with the with the crate training thing. You know, I would put the food in the back of the crate, and Zuzu would just stare at the crate. It's like I know, don't, I know, I know, I know. I don't think I want to go in there, Mom. Okay. Well, you know, when you're ready, that's where breakfast is. Great. You know, I'm going to leave the door open. In fact, I even think I tied the door open so it wouldn't accidentally close on her. And. You know, allowed her the ability to be a little like, this is hard. It's okay. It's okay if it's hard, you know. And so I think at one point when I put it way in the back of the crate, cause this is a pretty big crate. And she's like, I don't want to go in there. I think I moved it to the middle of the crate. So she had to stand with at least her front end in the crate and her rear end out of the crate. And then she got comfortable with that. Then we kept moving it back and back till she was all the way in the crate. And now you have to go in the crate, and, I, and then I give you the food. So allowing for that idea that you know new things can be overwhelming. So let's let's figure out how to do this without overwhelming either you or me. And you know that's that's an art form too. That's not a science. Of, and, and sometimes I feel like there are some days that I'm a lot more artistic. And there are other days that I'm probably more autistic. But there are days when my, my artfulness is, is is spot on. There's other days where no nah, there's no art. There's barely function.
0: Right. We can we can have scrambled eggs and
1: toast or
0: cereal for dinner. It's okay. In the big Pancakes! <laughs> Pancakes for dinner. Right. We can have pancakes for dinner. We can, you know, shoot, we can have ice cream for dinner. Right. So I think in general, utilizing pre-Mac, well, one, I think it's more powerful than most people think, but also uh, it it is the next level of seasoning the learning. Right. So the dog's not doing it for a hot dog. The dog's doing it because they want you to throw the ball for them.
1: Right? Yes, so that's what I do with Zuzu quiet. a lot. Yeah, you need to yeah. sit, then I'll throw the ball. Right, and it's it's one
0: of those pieces too that I think this is one of those things where positive reinforcement-based trainers have a better look in than maybe some aversive trainers because I'm not sure aversive trainers are always thinking about how to accommodate what the dog. Wants or needs. When I was an aversive trainer, that did not always necessarily enter into it, right? There was a lot of, I'm the boss. You're going to do what I say and be a good dog. Uh, and if you didn't do what I wanted, you were a bad dog. Uh, and now I'm like, right, I'm not Mustafa, right? This is not all about me. It's more about can we navigate this wonderful world and journey and life together uh, peacefully? And without a whole bunch of rigmarole.
1: I agree. Um, and I love the fact that you said that, that pre-macking is in some ways the next step after using treats. And what I have found is the the more you play with pre-macking, one, what, one the better you get at it. And two, the more you realize how many horizons that opens and how fun it is. Pre-macking is really fun. At least I really enjoy it. And so you can start sort of doing pre-macking layers. Like when I'm working on Fetch with, with Zuzu, I always have two balls. And so it's, we do two things. One is you have to drop the ball and you have to sit. Then I will throw the other ball. So I worked it f- for a while. Just pre-macking was like, okay, you drop the ball, I'll throw the other ball. Then sometimes if you sit, I'll throw the other ball. And it was be able to, if I worked on both of them separately doing the premac, like if you sit or if you drop the ball, another ball gets thrown for you. Then I could put them together, drop the ball, sit, and the ball gets thrown. So pre-Mac can work, you, can, you work them separately, you can work them together, you can work a lot of different layers. Because for Zuzu, throw and especially for Bingley, uh, throwing the ball was such a desirable behavior, I think that I probably could have got them to, I don't know run the Iditarod. I think I could have gotten them to mow the lawn for me. I could have gotten them to do pretty much anything if I'll throw the ball for them. So it was nice because knowing how important this behavior was to them, I could play with a lot of different things and use it to teach them different things because this was such a huge reward for them. So I think that what you'll find with when pre-macking is when you start playing with it and you start really understanding what's important to your dog to do, then you're going to have an incredibly important tool. Like I said, playing fetch is just a huge, huge reward for my retrievers. So I'm going to use that reward for a, to teach a whole lot of other things that I need you to learn.
0: I used it with the kids a ton for like, so Gregory loved to go outside and just get really, really dirty. And I was like, okay. You see that mud puddle? I would actually make a mud puddle for him. I'm like, you see that mud puddle right there? It's got your name written all over it. You should probably go make mud pies. And you get bonus points if you get your little friend Brian so dirty that his mom calls me. Because <laughs> right? I'm like, here, be naughty. but so be naughty in like a pretty
1: tame way. tame way. right? Um, well, I used to tell my kids, your job is to go out and come back dirty. That's how I know that you've been successful right. childing, right. you know? Right. You, well, you, you, I, would, you,
0: I would call Brian's mother and be like, hey, before he comes down here, make sure he's enclosed. You don't mind if we ruin him, right? And a lot of times, again, I was parenting atypical children. I had the children I'm talking about at this moment are my, uh, foster children. There was a lot of, uh, adults only had really awful rules, right? So me saying to Gregory, go get yourself as dirty as you can was like magic. Like he was like, what are you, what are you talking about? And so I did try to incorporate a bunch of the things that the kids really loved, um, Cheryl loved to take a bubble bath. So a lot of times I would be like, you did a really great job on your your homework. Do you want to go take a bubble bath? Like, I'll go get it ready for you. She was like, absolutely. Could I have paid her in stickers? Sure. But she was way more happy having like an extra 30 minute bubble bath. And by the way, that also meant that her bath was done early. So she wasn't going to have to do it, you know, just before bed. So she could maybe hang out and read in the living room while everybody else was taking their baths or showers in the evening. So it, I found it to be really powerful. And I don't know that in that moment I knew that it was something called the pre
1: principle. Now I know. Yeah, I didn't know um, it either. But the uh, same kind of thing is just like, okay, great, you want to do that? I don't have a problem with that. Let's, you know, let's get our math problems done. And then... Go have at it. Go dig to China for right. all it. Go
0: make, your, go make your mud pie or, you know, we used to get really heavy rain and our um, our cul-de-sac would flood. So I would have Gregory get the canoe out and canoe around in the cul-de-sac until the water went out the drain. And then, then he didn't have the water to do it anymore. Um, I was like, just bring the kayak in when you're done. But, I mean, I, it used to amaze people that I was, like, encouraging the kids to kayak in the cul-de-sac. When we had, you know, four inches of rain in it, I was like, well, they want to play in the rain anyway. So why wouldn't I let them like there's not Barracuda in there like he can who cares if he's paddling around in the cul-de-sac, you shouldn't be driving your car in it if it's flooded anyway. So turn around somewhere else. Pick a driveway. It'll be fine. So, you know, this isn't I don't think that this is just our dogs. I think it can be life. It can be letting the person who came into that intersection hot and heavy, going fast, letting them go first because they did stop at the light and didn't T-bone you. It can be letting the car that's pulling out of the parking space, letting them continue, which I don't know when that changed. Apparently sometime during COVID, we decided that if somebody's back out of a spot, we're supposed to honk our horn and drive behind them. I don't I, and that's not the, that's not how it's done. That's not the rules according to me. So I just stop and let them back out because I, I figure they're doing the more dangerous thing, but okay. Apparently the world's gotten a little more insistent, but, but even things as simple as the dog expressing self-control before they go out the front door on a walk or come out of their crate, it only has to be a moment of self-control. I'm not asking you to like all zen.
1: Right, I am not asking you to write an essay for me on why I should be patient. Why mom opens the door to my crate? No, I'm just asking you to give me a moment that shows me that we are not completely, you know, off our rails. So I think that that pre-macking is something that I would really encourage people to try because one, it's really fun. Two, it's highly effective in in training behaviors, and three. I think you'll find that the relationship that it builds for you is one that's just so worthwhile because you're working with somebody who's like, I understand the rules here. This is pretty fair. You're being fair. I'll be fair. And I think it builds cooperation and a sense of fairness and and agency in both people. And it does take an awful lot of pressure off of you to not always feel as if I have to demand and insist on everything going, you know, my way or being my way. You can use the cooperation to to have life be a little bit more smooth and genteel. And I think that we need a little bit more gentility. I think you're right. I think COVID sort of broke down a, a lot of, if not I don't know, all of our genteel ways and that maybe this is a way for us to institute a little bit more civility back into life.
0: Well, yesterday I got honked at because I was waiting for someone to back out of their space who had started backing out of their space while I was still moving toward them. But the person behind me was like, you should just run them over. And I was like, you're just going to sit there for a minute. We've become very singularly focused, I think. So you could do this in simple ways. You get to the end of your driveway and the dog says, hey, instead of going to the right today, let's go to the left. Or instead of going down Main Street, the dog says, can we go down Church Street today and go check that out? Where possible, I would just tell you to kind of loosely pay attention to what the living things around you are interested in. And also think about what you would want to be rewarded with. Right. If I can get rewarded with a nap, I'm like a super happy camper. Right. I think Christopher has actually used that a couple of times where he's like, you know what? You seem like you're really tired. You should probably go take a nap. I'm like, woohoo. Yay. I get to go take a nap. Um, I have totally used going and taking a nap as a reward for Marco doing something I wanted him to do. Like he doesn't like to go outside if it's wet. I will totally be like, all right, if you go outside when it's wet and you take care of business, then we can go cuddle in the bed for 15 minutes. And I read my book for 15 minutes with a timer. He's very happy. I'm very happy. And then we get on with life again. So there's lots of really simple ways to incorporate it. Uh, and it's it's real life rewards, which is, you know, uh, interesting it's an interesting concept, I think, for people because they don't they don't think about it that way, necessarily, that opening the back door is a reinforcer for the dog.
1: Right. Well, I think the other thing is this is when you, you you can play with it with your dog a little bit and then with your kids. I think you can also do things like if, uh, I found and I, you're right, I didn't realize it was pre-macking at the time. It made me stop and say, well, what is it that you want to do right now? What is it that is of interest to you? Because I'm not saying we can't. I just need to know what it is that you want to do so we can figure out how to incorporate it. And so I think it also gives you the opportunity to open lines of communication that perhaps hadn't been open before and to just take a step back and say, okay, what is it that is important to you? Why don't you make a list of, you know, five or six things that you really like to do and we can start working on, you know, incorporating those into our day. We homeschooled. So it was like, okay, when we get these tests done today, as soon as we get these tests done on Friday, Friday was always our testing quiz day. As soon as we get our, our math test and our spelling quiz done, then yes, you guys can go outside and play, but let's get this done so you can go do what you want to do. So I think that uh, it can be amazingly rewarding for everyone. So with that... Any updates on your life here, Tina, that you want to share?
0: Um, we're good. We're good. We're thinking about all the people who have hurricanes pointed at them. Hopefully yeah, they'll do Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well.
0: And, yeah, I'm excited that it's a number that doesn't start with a nine for the temperature today. I'm in a sweatshirt, y'all. I mean, it's a light sweatshirt, but I'm in a sweatshirt.
1: And I will verify the fact that she is wearing a sweatshirt. It is
0: slightly chilly in my house, which is something I have not said in Georgia for a very long time. So uh, uh, I'm excited that the weather is, every once in a while here in Georgia at this time of year, we get glimpses of the fall. And I always appreciate those glimpses.
1: Yeah, I was noticing on my way back as I was driving back from my workout this morning that there are trees, the leaves, the leaves are starting to change already. And I remember last year, it wasn't until mid-September. I really started noticing it is earlier this year. I have I was excited because um, I'm doing a, an audio version of the Beast Keepers, and I got the first 15 minutes this week from Benny, my reader, my uh, audio actor, and I was very pleased. It was funny because there's a voice, there's a character by the name of Anita, and I wasn't sure how she should sound. And when I heard Benny, I went, mm, "That's not it." But I knew exactly what, how she should sound. So that was really interesting right. to me that um, Benny's like, I wasn't sure what to do either. And I said, yeah, I don't think that's Anita. But what you did give me was an idea of actually how Anita should sound. Well, and so I think.
0: Important information to know not that.
1: Right, right, right. And and with the not that, I also knew what it was. And so I need, she needs to sound like Lauren Bacall, which is. A, oh, too
0: funny. So yeah. I gave my copy of Beekeepers to one of my vets because when I told her about the story, she's like, "Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing!" And I was like,
1: "Here." Oh Happy- well, thank you. Happy Merry Christmas,
0: birthday, Labor Day, right? So I I gave her my copy of the book, so now I haven't read it again. So I'm trying to decide if I need to. Well, so I need to order another one, but I also wanted autograph.
1: Well, I can make that work because well, I what it I to you? <laughs> well, no. What I was going to say is I have several copies, so you can pay me for the book, which is sixteen ninety nine, I believe, plus five dollars shipping because it cost me four dollars and like fifty nine cents, so I just rounded up to five, and I will mail it to you. So if anybody wants it, if they want an autographed copy, I'm more than happy to do that. You just need to email me at, I have a new email address for us because we are having some problems with the feedback at your family dog podcast email. So now you can email us at your family dog podcast at icloud.com. That's your family dog podcast at iCloud.com. If you would like an autographed copy of the Beast Keepers, I'm happy to do that for you and we can work out a payment method. And um, if you have suggestions for us as to who you would like us to bring on, topics you want us to talk about, and we didn't get back to you, well, we never got the email because the emails got messed up, unless, of course, you were on our website. And you emailed it from our website. But anyway, try your family dog podcast at iCloud.com. That should get your email to me. And we can proceed from there. And I will actually include a Peacekeepers bookmark with each and every order. So there you go. I'm so excited.
0: So, yeah, All right. so my vet, one of my, like I said, my chiropractic vet was super excited to get a copy of the book. She was like, this sounds amazing. And I was like, here.
1: Well, good. I hope she finds it amazing. What I have found is there's a certain age group that, that finds it more difficult than others. That's okay. Yes. People
0: will struggle to suspend their
1: well, it's interesting because I get... She doesn't build a world. Well, okay, it's set in, like... This is not high fantasy where for world building. This is low cozy fantasy. So it's set in the real world. So the descriptions of Ohio are sort of my world building technique and then other people will tell me what's with all the descriptions, man. I don't need, <laughs> so I just kind of feel like, I don't know. I just wrote a book. I kind of liked it. I hope you like it too. And if you don't, that's okay. But It
0: amazes me that anyone would give an author that kind of feedback, right? I've, I've read some books that I was like, okay, not really sure why that was included, but it never occurred to me that I would like put that in a review or find the author to complain about it. Like it's your book. You get to write it the way you want. Like that's fascinating to me.
1: Yeah. um, Well, I get um, a, a wider variety of reviews, shall we say on Goodreads and I get the inkling Now, I could be way off base here, but my inkling about Goodreads is that a, a, a good number of these people perhaps think of themselves as New York Times literary critics
0: I'm gonna go back to it's not the critics that count right they're not in yeah. the arena they should
1: write their own book I also yeah.
0: I'm not sure I want you reading all the reviews like I'm not sure that's my
1: healthy thing. <laughs> no, you're not the only. You're not the first person to say that to me. But I, I mean, I had had. Um, I did have one that was really sweet. Um, a woman bought a copy from me, and I autographed it, and I sent it off to. She had it sent to four little girls, and they got it, and they were thrilled to death that an author would even consider sending them, you know, a book. And they've been reading it, and um, it was just. It was really heartwarming to see these little girls so excited about a book and about the fact that somebody cared enough to write an inscription to them and that they were going to read it chapter by chapter and they were writing down their questions. And so I just, when I get disheartened by some of the other reviews, I just think about this wonderful family who um, seems to really be enjoying it. And and you know what? That's why I wrote the book. I wonder
0: if some of it is, the fantasy reader. So I assume I it's like other genres of literature, right? That if someone's expecting, I don't know, what, what did you, what did your, that one person say? Like mutant
1: teenage vampires.
0: They're not going to get that.
1: Angsty. Angsty teenage, teenage vampire assassins.
0: There we go. So, so if that's what they're expecting, if that's the form, the genre of fantasy that they're enjoying, then yeah, you're you may have missed the mark, but I'm, I'm not sure that's a bad thing.
1: But yeah, like yeah, it's book. And it's right. Very, and and my understanding is very playful. Yes, it is, and it lighthearted. Not, not yes, bringing out your inner parent. No. And the the thing is 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 that's it, and and the, the people who get it will put that in the reviews. It's like if you're looking for you know high fantasy, that's not it. This is cozy fantasy. It's also considered what's called low fantasy, which means that it is has fantasy elements, but it's set in the real world. So it's I'm not creating a whole new world or environment or whatever. Um, this is and and some people they go. You know, I just it makes me wonder are there really maybe there are mythological creatures in eastern Ohio in rural Ohio. Could it could it be? I mean it seems kinda like and that's what I really wanted people to be thinking was maybe maybe there are there is a hollow somewhere between Harrison and Carolyn County where the centaurs live. So that's what Chronicles will
0: tell you yes, that they have reports in Ohio.
1: Yeah. So there. My sister sent me a book, uh, what was called, what was it, um, Bigfoot Sightings in Ohio. Yep. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> like, okay. So anyway, well, enough about my book. Um, just if you are interested and you, you want a copy autographed, please contact me. Happy to do that. And um, in the meantime, go out and pre-mac your dog, pre-mac your kid. Be back, back yourself, right. Yes. Pick, pick some sort of, okay, so this is,
0: I'm going to challenge everyone. Pick something that's going to take you five to ten minutes that you've been putting off for, you know, a silly amount of time. and And then also think about a way that you can reinforce yourself that's really, like, I would tell you usually food or drink, so it's like yummy and delicious. Or a nap. Or, ba- or bath or whatever it is for
1: you, pedicure, and, like, in the next three days, do it and pre-max yourself. So, and then you know, let us know how it goes. How that, how that
0: went. How did that feel? How did that feel to you? Uh, because giving us that feedback helps us help you, right? Right.
1: Absolutely. All right, then. So thank you so much again for listening to your family dog podcast. We're so grateful that you're here. If you haven't already subscribed to us, please do so wherever it is that you get your podcasts by subscribing to us and, and and hopefully giving us a five star rating, which would be lovely. Um, You'll help get your family dog podcast in front of others. We are, by the way, Tina, this will be episode 198 so, we are heading up to episode 200, which we should do something special for. And so, what I would say to people is if you have an idea of what you'd like to hear for the 200th episode of Your Family Dog podcast, we would definitely like to hear that. So, Your Family Dog podcast at iCloud.com. And thanks for listening.
0: Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.